listening to Free Beers and a Movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neil. Barry, once again we're doing this via a, a dodgy telephone setup. <laughs> yes, with the magic of modern technology, technology we're yeah. able to talk over the phone. And all you can a lovely night like this, we're not together doing it because I feel we'd, we'd get put down by the weather in the winter so we should make advantage of summer but unfortunately things haven't collided this month this week so we're kind of yeah. stuck doing it this way um, are you in your hammock again this time around hey, I am not I'm actually sitting inside the house it's got a wee bit chilly all of a sudden Aww. so I've even had to crank up the heat as well oh good lord good lord I know, uh, I know. after it being blisteringly warm for the past month and a half finally like the, the weather has broken um, are you drinking I'm not, I'm just drinking just tonight. Yes, as am I, because we're both working men tomorrow, and we're both starting early, so we have to be well behave tonight. But maybe next week we'll get sort of back on the, the true meaning of three beers in the movie. Um, <laughs> <coughs> but we'll get through some films. Um, so we'll start off with non cinema viewing. Have you watched anything, well, anything of interest not at the cinema this week? Uh, for me, it's been two things. Okay. Um, the first one being a TV show that's been running on Channel 4 recently, and it's called Game Face. Oh, yeah, I've heard it's a, it's a kind of sketch show, isn't it? Is it a sketch show? Or is yeah. It, yeah. It's just like an overarching like a comedy show. All right, okay. It's centred around like a, the a main character and her like just transversing through life and stuff. Okay, so definitely not a sketch show. What's that? Definitely not a sketch show, then. It has got one central character and everything, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. definitely not a sketch show. Okay. Uh, the more you, the more you find out about the the characters, just how funny it becomes. And then when you, if you do a bit of googling and you watch a few of the uh, actual like actresses, like performances, and other like uh, like just normal like uh, sketch shows and stuff, you actually realise this like, TV shows kind of quite similar. I'm assuming to her life. Yeah, you know, it's. It's just kind of like a slightly more exaggerated version, but yeah. I think a lot of it is kind of things that have happened to her in the past. Yeah. Of the situation she's found herself in. Just a wee bit more, kind of like almost like a wee bit kind of Amy Schumer cross with Fleabag cross with Peep Show type thing. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff going on, yeah. I've actually heard quite good reviews about it. I've heard interesting things about it. You would, you would recommend it? Oh, 100%. I found it highly enjoyable so much so that um, when I had when it was on, I realised that it had dawned on me that this was the second season I was watching and had actually watched the first season. So I ended up uh, going back and then tanking the whole entire first season just to kind of catch up with oh, the flow good. for the second one. Oh, nice! So definitely, definitely decent watch then. Oh, one hundred percent. I'd highly recommend it. And the kind of double episode season finale was just last night, so. You'll be able to catch it all in what uh, on demand. Nice, because um, me and Jill are still blasting away through the office, the the American version of the office. Um, uh-huh. So when that finishes, I'll be definitely needing something something new to nice. to tickle my funny bone. Um, so well, this this is good because it's only like as always like thirty minutes long. Yeah. So it not, it doesn't ever like linger. That's no. what I like about it. It's it's once again just another well written British comedy show. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, Channel 4 again has been pumping out some good stuff, so I'll, I'll definitely... Like I said, I've seen it advertised between things I normally watch, so I will definitely... If you recommend it, I will, I will add it to my list and I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Um, anything else of interest you've watched this week? Uh, 
the only other thing I've watched is, well, I don't know if it's a new thing. I don't know if it's new or not, but it's certainly, at least it's new for my eyes on Netflix, and that is a Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 11.9. Yeah, it's not... It's not new. It was out last year, but I think this is it's getting released on Netflix now. It's it's, it's came ah. to Netflix. Yeah, it was out. It was out uh, towards the. Uh, I want to say maybe September, maybe last year. I want to say about. Didn't get much of a cinematic release over here for some reason. It was quite you know kind of sort of key cinemas, key cities, um, and sort of more uh, more of your art house indie cinemas didn't really get a sort of wide, you know, major multiplex release. So yeah, it, it did kind of go under the radar a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a Netflix original. It's just it's just came to Netflix recently. Okay, cool. Okay. Cool. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, so it's all kind of centered around uh, uh, Michael Moore, as he always does with style of uh, documenting. Yes, and that is like him telling the story of how uh, Trump ended up winning the latest elections yep. and becoming the 45th president. Yep. Uh, which, going by what we know and also the footage, it looked like it was going to be a clear cut race. Hillary was winning this, no questions asked, and then it, pretty much at the last minute, it was just taken away from her. Yeah, I mean, and then it's all you see that in the film, but I think one of the points making the film is this didn't come from nowhere. You know, he even he himself in the film he was quoted as saying that people in these states, people think they're not going to vote for Trump, they will vote for him, and they and what the documentary does not really well. No, it shows how he got elected, and it sort of shows kind of about the Russian money, but it also shows the the downfall of the Democratic Party as well and how they've yeah. basically just destroyed their, their core base of, of supporters, you know, by basically backstabbing them, the whole thing that the convention with them, like, sort of twisting the rules so they could get Hillary Clinton in power and and reject yeah. Bernie Sanders and the stuff with, like, Obama going to Flint. And there's a couple of other examples he gives of just sort of not so much the rise of Trump, but it's a, the systematic downfall of, of what the, the, the Democratic Party did and how Republicans and indeed Trump took advantage of this um, over the last sort of eight eight years, you know, to sort of bump up their their um, their numbers. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and it just shows you how crazy like American politics really are, and yeah. how like, absolutely dirty it is, and it's all about who's scratching who's back. It's, oh, it's just a horrible, horrible system. Yeah, the sheer amount of money involved. I mean, the British system is not much better. We have to be not we're not completely, you know, innocent of this. Yeah, but, um, yes, of course. But it, 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 it is sort of soul destroying to watch it. When you see, you know, the stuff you see the footage of the the high school shootings and you know mm-hmm. the impact they have on it. The the, the point where they use Flint as a, a proving ground for the U.S. military to like sort of do training in. Because yeah, it, there's so many abandoned buildings, they basically treat it as their own sort of own personal call of duty. Um, the the scene at the end, I think it was with um, the Hawaiian missile going off, like you know when it, they thought yeah. they might get a hit on Hawaii, and it just shows yeah. it just shows this, this, this mass panic of it, and then sort of the fear that the country of America and pretty much the world right now is living in. It feels we're right we're right on a tender hook right now of something's going to kick off. It feels like every every day something could just spark off and. The, the idea that if 25 years ago, if, if, if people in Hawaii got a message through about a nuclear missile being launched at Hawaii, they'd be going like, what the fuck? What the hell? What? What? But it happens yeah. now, and it seems plausible. Yeah, and that's the scary thing we're living in. It's yeah. like, well, it wasn't so long ago he was almost in a fight with North Korea. Yeah. And then he was almost in a fight with Iran not yeah. too long ago, and you're just sitting there like, 
Like, at what point is uh, one of these countries finally going to have enough and then just snap and go, eh, you know what, let's go. Let's yeah. go have a fight. Um, but getting off the political arm aspect, this one, Michael Moore himself, are you a fan of these documentaries normally? I do. I think I like him because he's never, like, in your face. It's like, um, like, I mean, like, he's not pumping these out, like, every year. It's like these kind of, like, his documentaries are, they're well done and they're, they're done over a long period of time. True, so yes. I, I always really enjoy them. And it's, it's that kind of, like, it's kind of like proper journalism with them. It's like a kind of good, honest, he'll talk to the, the people on the yeah. ground and then he'll build like a story up from their point of view rather than yeah. pushing his own agendas yeah I, I, I've enjoyed I mean I've really enjoyed when I was younger I really enjoyed his documentaries um, mm. I have noticed of late Moore as a, a great spinner of facts as well you know as much as mm. he, he says people other people are spinners of facts he is pretty good at doing that himself the only thing I don't like about him like I think if you watch like say this one you watch Fahrenheit 9-11 as well sometimes it's trying to do too much. It's trying to show too much. Whereas these other documentaries like Sicko and Roger and Me and Bowling for Columbine, they sort of, they clamp down a sort of single issue. You know, and they get to the, and they get to the core of that and that, I feel that's a bit, it feels more streamlined and it feels, it feels it makes a bit a more salient point than when, I mean, obviously what he's doing in Fahrenheit 9-11 and indeed Fahrenheit 11-9, he's trying to show a lot of information and sometimes because he's trying to show so much, it does get a little bit muddled for me, and a little bit kind of like it loses its, its point in its place, um, a few times. But as like, like you said, as a, as a piece of document documentary, it's, it's very well done. The only thing about it is as well that I can't imagine anyone who's it's not it's not going to change anyone's mind. No, no, and and, and, and anyone who likes Trump is not going to watch this documentary. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, and anyone, and anyone who, everyone who's watching, I'm pretty sure is anti-Trump. The only thing you might get out of it is the people who are anti-Trump, who are say pro-Democrat to an extent, might not, under, might not know, or might be sort of hesitant to look at the stuff that's sort of against Obama, which it's right to be because there is stuff in it that Obama did some really fucked up things as well. So it was good that he touched on that and didn't make it completely, um, you know, single party. You know, because he has been accused of that in the past of being sort of very pro one party and just sort of hating on the Republican Party, which right now they're right to be hated on, but when you make a documentary like that, it can come across very one-sided and it sort of loses any sort of balance. So it was nice he did, he did put the balance in there a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. It'll be interesting to see what he does after this, though. It's yeah. like I said, because he, he, he doesn't really come uh, bring one out all the time, it's... A lot of like the kind of landscape and all that like moves on very quickly, yeah. and you know it'll be interesting to see what he does next. Well, in fact, even um, this one, the landscape's changed because like in this one, he's got the 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 the, the, the woman running for for office, like the you know the I can't remember her name. It's the AOC woman, you know. She she won, you know, and she's now yeah. she's now a big name in American politics, and it's it's interesting. You know, there is stuff actually there's stuff that's happened since that's moved this. Documentary on that's only in the space of like six months, you know. So it's constantly it's constantly evolving, and you've got and like you said, it will be interesting what he what he does next and, and what he tackles next. Um, because I can only imagine. Do you, tr- even, do you even dare want to take a stab at who's going to be the next president? Like, right. surely he can't get elected again. I don't <laughs> think there's anyone to challenge him in the Democratic Party, so I think he unfortunately will be re-elected again. Yeah, 
Oh my god. Yeah, the, 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 the Democrats are left, or the Democrats have, have bastardised themselves. They're, they're, they're more inclined about taking points off of each other rather than singularly attacking the man in power. So I think, unfortunately, because of that, it'll split the vote. And I think the, Democrat, the Republicans, for what, for what they're bad at, they're very good at like, you know, getting, their, getting their vote out and getting the people motivated to go and vote. And I think, they, unfortunately, they will get back in. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was, I was kind of hoping you were going to say Bernie Sanders was nah, going to get in, but I don't think so, man. I don't think so. Uh, but he, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, but, exactly. But as a documentary, it's on Netflix. It's well worth a watch. It's a very interesting documentary. Um, Jill didn't know a lot about it. She was watching. It, said it made her angry, which is like that thing that it should make you angry when you're watching it. Um, so it, it's it's definitely worth worth sitting down and seeing. Um, hopefully, if you're if you are a, if you are a Trump supporter, um, then it's worth watching as well because maybe you will be, maybe hopefully see some sort of truth in it, um, and not just see all this fake news. But um, yeah, it's definitely it's worth a watch. But yeah, yeah um, absolutely. I've not watched anything at home this week. I've been very busy um, the last couple of days, so I've not watched really anything oh. at home. So we've been watching some some stuff that's out in cinemas now. Um, yeah. But, First film is one I'm going to recommend to you. It's called Blinded by the Light. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Uh, directed by Garinda Chada, who directed Bennett Light Beckham. Uh-huh. And Viceroy's House. Um, so she's, she's done some really interesting, some interesting sort of vaguely, well, not vaguely, very successful stuff in the past. Um, in the film, you've got a guy called Vivek Khan, no, Vivek uh, Kala, who this is his first film. You've also got Kalvinda Guya, and I think, again, a well-known actor, but doesn't hasn't really played in a lot of stuff like at this size. Um, you've also got a guy called Dean Charles Chapman, who was in the film um, Man Up, and he's also in Game of Thrones. If because every actor's in Game of Thrones, um, he pops up in that as well. And you've got some standard uh, British people like Haley Atwell turns up in it, Sally Phillips from Smack the Pony, and Rob Brydon uh, pops up in it as well. So it's, it's a fairly there's a kind of strong. British supporting cast alongside a lot of kind of newcomers as well, so it makes it it's a nice balance. Um, the plot of the film essentially set in nineteen eighty in Luton, um, around all the the sort of rise of the National Front, and that uh, it, it follows a, a Pakistani boy who's trying to sort of be a British boy in a British school, but his family, and specifically his dad, are sort of always always very going for the traditional life and try to pull him back to the traditional lifestyle. You know, and, and, and everything that being a Pakistani is about. Um, he's he's wanting to try and break out of that. He's wanting to try and find his own voice. He's wanting to try to find you know who he is, and he sort of finds that voice and finds that, that who he is through his friend giving him a bunch of, of tapes. And on the tapes are the the albums of Bruce Springsteen, the the first four or five albums of Springsteen's discography. It's set in nineteen eighty, so there's like about five or six albums there from to listen to. And through listening to them, he starts to find out who he is. And it's this sort of his journey through this coming of age story between him, his father, his friends, and, and him himself just growing as a person. Um, so it is a musical, so there is moments when it is singing and dancing. Um, right, okay. So it is a proper musical. Um, not all the way through, there's just, there's just sort of moments where people burst into song and it has these sort of big musical montages. Um, okay. I want to say, after I saw this about three weeks ago at our advanced preview, um, I've been waiting to talk about it because I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Like I really enjoyed the fuck out of it. I thought it was so much fun and so warm and so heartfelt from start to finish. Um, nice. Yeah, like I'm obviously I'm a, I'm a massive Springsteen fan, so that's maybe why yeah. it hit, hit, hits me more because I, I love the guy and his music means a lot to me. But I think even if you're not a Springsteen fan, this it's, when you're watching it, it's this idea of 
you we've all had it of when you're a certain age, you need to find people who are who are like you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and until you have that, you, you feel a little bit lost in the world. You don't really know, you know, who you are, or you feel you're a bit strange because maybe maybe you don't like the things your family like. Maybe you think am I the only person that likes this, and then you suddenly find one other person who digs what you dig, and you're like, oh fuck, like this this means something. You know, and, and you, can, uh-huh. you can you can build that, and the friendships can build on that, and just you can just find this new found confidence, and you found you know zeal for life just by finding that one person who can speak to you and that's what this film's all about um, musical numbers in it they, they, they do punch through real emotional and heart and they're very triumphant at times and they, they really work and they just sort of they, there's that line between good and cheesy you know that there's a sort of that it, it doesn't quite tip over into cheesy yeah 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 I don't know what you mean. yeah there's a few you can watch you go like, that's very it, it just doesn't you know it, if you go too far you could have gone, I'm, I'm not buying this, but if you can keep it nice and just this, it just toes that line nicely where it doesn't come across like that. Um, cast, all fantastic, especially the, the, the guy in the lead role, he's excellent. The two parents, also fantastic, particularly the dad is also wonderful. You know, he has, you know, he is a sort of very stalwart Pakistani father trying to um, try to hold back his son a little bit. Um, and the mother as well, who's sort of this beaten down woman, unfortunately, who just sort of trying to adhere to her, her husband's demands also really tough and poignant to watch so um and also because it's got a lot of stuff on the national front and sort of rise of the nazis and in, looting in, during the 1980s it feels annoyingly you know present you know it doesn't mm. which is kind of yeah different. we've kind of, we've touched on this subject before about how um the things that have happened in the past unfortunately are still uh, even the ugly head, even in this day and age, and we can't ever seem to get rid of it. For yeah, some reason. and if you know, we think they get rid of them, they seem to always just sort of rise back again. And it's, that's feels why this film feels almost more important now than if it had been released, say, seven or eight years ago. It, it, felt, it feels more important now, and it has more of an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, the only downside was it, it could be a little bit tighter in places. You know, it's, it's maybe a little, it kind of meanders a little bit at times. Um, okay. Maybe maybe can we trimmed out maybe ten fifteen minutes just to sort of just just to tighten up a little bit, just to make okay. it a little bit more just flow a little bit easier. Um, but other than that, I absolutely loved it. It was I thought it was fantastic. It was so heartfelt, and we saw it on a they do a thing at cinema called the secret screening, where they don't tell you what you're going to see that night. And as okay. I felt, you know, as I felt it's due out like within the next two or three weeks, and just they put something on, and. Yeah. And, and I was excited to see it. I'd heard about this film. And I watched it, and I was so happy. And you know, I was, and I think everyone who I was in the cinema with that night came out genuinely quite enjoying this film and really, really liking it. But I think if you're a fan of the music, you'll love it even more. But I don't think you have to be. I don't think you have to be a fan of music. I think you can still really enjoy it for what it is. It's a good. It's a good fun Friday night movie. All right, nice one, nice one. I did like the when I was reading about it. I like the fact that the man himself, the boss, actually went to the premiere of it, and I quite like that how he was just he he done the red carpet and stuff, and then he ended up playing a show after it. He's a man of the people. That's what he is. He's a man yes. of the people, um, and he's not. He, he said a really funny thing in his um, Broadway show that's on Netflix. He says, "I sing about working class, blue collar people, but I've never in my life been blue class, blue collar and working class." You know, I've never held in a job at any point in my life. I've always been a singer songwriter. I've never had to actually work a nine to five job. But he still puts that image across of of that, and he still writes about that life because he knows that world from his like his family. And I think people who are working class and 
people like me, like me and yourself who come from from that kind of background, you, you do find a heart in what Springsteen's singing about, and it is great and it's wonderful that he is, you do still feel that he is one of us, even though he's clearly a multi billionaire. But yeah. he does still feel like he is one of the people. And this is when I sit here and give you the heart attack of your life by saying that I've never listened to uh, Springsteen properly. Barry, you need to listen to some Springsteen, pal. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So yeah. I, obviously, I know like a few of the bigger songs that have came on over the time, you know. Yeah. So I know them, but in terms of just overall albums and stuff, yeah. I've never listened to. I would say it's it, there's some albums, but also there's a, a two, I think it's three hours long, two and a half hours, three hours long Broadway performance. It's on Netflix where he's sort of doing his songs and talking, telling stories during it about him oh, nice. and his wife and his um, meeting band members, meeting you know his wife and that kind of stuff, and just sort of talking about who he is as a person. If you get a chance to sit down one night and watch that, absolutely beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'll, if I actually know what I do, that's probably a better bet for myself. Is to actually watch that. Yeah. Because if I put on like an album or something, I'll probably end up getting distracted doing other stuff, and then yeah. I'll watch end this. Up drifting away from it. Yeah. Watch this. This will get you into who the man is, and then from that you can sort of rediscover all these albums. Because I was the same. I, to me, Springsteen was someone who was my dad's generation. Um, and even in this film, he's not the kids' generation. He's like their dad's generation. So it's like, so it's something my dad was into when he was a kid. Um, not even a kid. My dad was like maybe about in his early, you know, probably late teens when he got into Springsteen. So, and I just thought it was my dad's music. Then one day I listened to an album that came out just after September 11th called The Rising. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was like, I need to find out everything this guy's ever done. I need to find. I need to delve deeper and just beyond Born in the USA and you know Born to Run and find more stuff. And from that moment on, I was a complete and utter obsessive. Like I absolutely, like I love the the stuff he does. But Blinded by the Light, I would say it's one of the best ones I've seen this year. I've so enjoyed it. It's so much fun watching it. Um, a very strong eight and a half out of ten. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Like I said, film gets you, film gets you, man. And and I I really enjoyed this one. Absolutely good. Um, good. next film, it's a. Another British film called Horrible Histories, the movie Rotten Romans, so it's a big long title. Um, directed by Dominic Brigstock, who's done no films, but he's done lots of UK TV. So any TV show you can probably think of in Britain, he has probably done it at some point directing it. Um, the plot of this film is very simple. It's about the Romans trying to conquer Britain uh, and the British uprising to, to stop that from happening to, under the... Under, I can't remember, is it? Oh, I can't remember the character's name now. Anyway... Um, it's a it's a kids movie. It's not a it's not like a gladiator style swords and sandal epic. It's more of a you know kind of tongue in cheek. Aye. Being kind of silly. It's like it's like the books. If you, if you remember reading the books when you were a kid, um, I was a big fan of them. The TV show when it was on uh, it was on BBC was excellent. It was very very funny. The guys involved in that done a film last year a couple of years ago called Bill all about Shakespeare, which I thought was fantastic and very funny, very clever. Um. This one has not really got any of those guys involved in it. It's just going on the name of the Horrible Histories. So it's a bit different. Um, and that's very obvious in the film. Um, in the movie, you've got Sebastian Croft from Game of Thrones. He plays the main guy. Um, Amelia Jones, she plays the main lady in it. And she's a, from High Rise. Um, you've got Craig Roberts, if you've ever seen a film called Submarine. Um, or Tolkien uh, earlier on this year. He's in that. And also coming up is, um, is Nick Frost, Kim Cattrall and Kate Nash. They all pop up in it as well. Like I said, oh, okay. decent. it's a very well-rounded British cast. You'll probably recognise most of the cast from British TV shows, game shows, everything. You know, it's, it's very well-known cast and you see them all. Um, 
like I said, big fan of Bill because it's much the same as I like Pixar their best. See when you can make a kids film but have adult stuff in it that they don't get but you can enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult to do, but if you do it, it comes. It makes a sh- something like that so worth watching. This, oh, absolutely! It just, it, it just you buy into it. like something like say Lego Movie is exactly the same. Lego Movie does that so well as well. It's a film for everyone. Mm-hmm. This is not. This skews way too young. Oh. There's just kind of too much toilet humor in it. You know, and it feels like, uh, like is that all you've got? Yeah, because. Yeah, just kind of like silly off-the-cuff remarks rather than a well-cast scripted joke yeah, in that. Even though, it's, yeah. like, what Bill does really well, what the whole history really does, is see in the background, of little things written in the background, you go, oh, that's really funny, that's quite clever, that's really smart, The kids are not going to pick up on. This is none of that. I didn't know, I didn't have any, I only had one decent sight gag in the whole show. And it's whole, and it's whole, that's right. and that's quite a shame. Um, yeah, that's quite disappointing, especially because, like, it's the perfectly, uh, the perfect kind of movie for it. Excuse me. Exactly. You, you could you could go proper like almost like hot shot style, you know, um, top secret kind of look about it and make it just everything a gag and make it every but make it real, you know. But they don't. They just sort of go for the toilet humor jokes and very very obvious jokes. And there is a lot of singing in this, and you could you could have done with all of it being edited out of the film. It was wow. completely unnecessary. I'm like oh you the, oh. I don't know who agreed to this, but this is this is not the direction I should think they're taking. Um, the cast, for what it's worth, are all pretty committed to what they're doing. They, they don't... None of them looks like they're phoning it in. They all look like they're having fun. They're all like they're enjoying what they're doing. But the material, okay. they've got, the material they've got to work with isn't very good. And because of that, you know, you can only go so far with really shit material. Um, and unfortunately, this, this is definitely one of those cases where they're trying, but just it's not there. It's not there. That's quite disappointing, especially because you were such a fan of the series as well. Yeah, I enjoyed the series a lot, and I enjoyed um, Bill so much. I was really looking forward to this, and Colin did warn me, but I was mm. telling him he was wrong, but unfortunately I have to admit at this occasion, Colin may have been yeah. right. And, I, and that, that hurts both of us to admit that Colin was right about something. I, f- I feel like he's not going to let you live this down for quite a while. I feel like even at the end of the year, we're still going to be talking about the fact that you should have listened to Colin. Yeah, this one. yeah, this... this and Colin's mind will validate his hatred of, of Dunkirk because are you right about this one? And it's like it doesn't validate that you're right about Dunkirk because you weren't right about Dunkirk, but in his mind it will validate that fact. And that annoyed him more than anything else, to be honest. Um, but um, out of ten, a very lowly five, unfortunately. Uh, well, that's a big one that's definitely not making your top ten, that's for Definitely sure. not. And like I said, I thought we were going to take my nieces or two at some point, but I don't think even they would enjoy it. I think they'd be kind of let down by it as well. Yeah, exactly. That just needs that little bit, that little bit extra push to make it something more than just you know a cookie cutter version of of, of a show. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that, that that's what's a bit of shame about it. But do you think? Sorry, no, no, think no, no, no. Pushing for a like a younger audience oh, from the first movie. See, they, certainly they're definitely pushing for a, a younger audience, and also I think the guys involved in this one simply are not as talented as the guys involved in the first one. Because I believe some of the guys in the first one were involved, also involved in. Um, our favourite movie, Paddington 2. Mm. So that tells you the quality involved there. Yeah, yeah, of 
you know, you know they, they don't let many go by without mentioning you know his bare his bareness. Uh, <laughs> who's on the fifty pence coin now, by the way? So keep an eye out for that. Okay, cool. Panthers on the fifty p, which is wonderful. Um, wow. Well, yeah. If I find if I find one, I'll keep it for you. Thank you very much. Everyone at work's also keep an eye out for them for me as well. It's, it's, a, it's... <laughs> oh God, you're going to end up with about ten quid's worth of fifty p Paddingtons. I will. I will keep them all, and I will not spend them. <laughs> but on, on to that. On to the last film of the week, the one that I, the last one I saw, which I saw last night, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. I do say nine because it is his ninth film. Kill Bill is one yes. film, not two. Uh, the plot of this film essentially follows around two actors, um, well, one actor, one stuntman, um, as they're sort of traversing Hollywood and sort of come to terms with how their careers are going and where their careers have been and, and what's happening, framed by the fact that the Manson family and Shannon Tate, Sharon Tate, sorry, are in the, the vicinity bill, and you can send, and it's building up to sort of the events of the Manson family murders when they when they went into the uh, Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski's home and ultimately killed them. Um, so that, that, that's sort of the world it's in, and it's just sort of, and it's surrounding them. Uh, in the film, you've got Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio playing DiCaprio playing an actor, Pitt playing the stuntman. You've got Margot Robbie playing uh, Shannon Tate. You've also got Dakota Fanning popping up in it: Bruce Dern, Al Pacino, Emil Hirsch, Damien Lewis. Everybody pops up in this. It's, it's got a Tarantino-esque cast. You know, we, 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 everybody's going into it. Um, are you planning to see this film? I am. Yeah, so uh, I will. I will do my best, and I will try my best not to spoil anything from it because I don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, that's okay. There's a few things I've been listening to yeah. recently, and they've been reviewing it and talking about it. So, yeah. you know, don't feel you have to hold back too much. I'll, I'll definitely. Um, I'll definitely keep it. But no, I have been looking forward to it. Like what I've seen so far from like screenshots and the trailer and stuff, it does look a very sexy movie. It is very. Sexy. It is also a goddamn fantastic movie. It is. Yeah. It, it, like, does it cap- Say again, dude. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, does it capture uh, the kind of era of oh, Hollywood? Oh, my God, it's ripping off of it. You, you totally feel you're in that world. There's, yeah, it, it, the cinematography, the production design, everything, you, you 100% feel you're in that world. Um, we should, I shouldn't have doubted anything that Tarantino was doing. I mean, I didn't even doubt this one. I thought I was kind of wondering what he was going to do with it, where he was going to go with it. Never doubt the man. The man is the greatest filmmaker of the probably the past thirty years. It's phenomenal filmmaking, and he is a phenomenal filmmaker. And he and this is him further stretching his wings. He's almost moving away from the pulp of, like, say, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bills, and The Death Proof. With yeah, even Django to a certain degree as well. Uh, but with Inglorious Bastards, and I would say Hateful Eight, he's stretching. He's becoming a, a prop. He's not a prop filmmaker. He's always been a filmmaker. He's becoming a different filmmaker, and he's becoming. In some ways, a more mature filmmaker, um, yeah. and it's hard to say better because he's always been great. But he's definitely he's, he's reached another level. I think at times when he just is doing something, you go, "Only you could have done that, and only you would do that." And the fact you've done it is is, is phenomenal to watch. Um, as I'm not gonna lie, some people might not like it because the opening two hours it's very meandering. You're not really sure what it's doing, and to be honest, in the first two hours. Not a lot of stuff happens, you know. It's it's okay. it's building a sense of tone and it's building the, the the world, so you get to know who these characters are and you get to you get to feel like you belong in the world and you're and you're sitting there wondering like where it's going to go and what's going to happen. But it's very much just sort of it's it's building and it's building and it's 
you're feeling something and you're, and, you're, and you're getting to know who everyone is and it does that right, okay. fantastically well now some people might not like it takes so long to do that I personally enjoyed it immensely I thought I thought there's was, was so much in it and so many great little character beats and character moments in it that you're, you're mm. absolutely invested in, in everything, everything that's happening um, and there's a lot of comedy in that as well so you're, you're okay, constantly entertained so. so I can see this the first two hours dividing people because of that and maybe some people won't be willing to sit for that you know, um, and the same way people didn't really like the hateful eight for some of the same reasons. Like you know, there's a, there's a lot. There's like opening forty minutes now, but it's just two guys talking in a uh, a carriage. You know, that that asks yeah. a, that asks a lot of your audience. Your audience have got to go with you on that, and some audiences aren't willing to do that. You know, I just find that that's like Tarantino's like style. It's always been a more kind of script heavy, oh yeah, dialogue driven movie rather than big explosions and oh. things happening on the scene uh, on the screen. I know absolutely, but I think some probably still think it should be maybe like it should be Kill Bill, it should be you know the Reservoir Dogs finale, the, the Pulp Fiction big moments. But remember in those films, those big moments that sort of you remember, they're all surrounded yes. by an hour's worth of, of chat. Mm. You know, and yeah, it's, it, and it's the chat moments that make this the make the big moment punch so much harder. You know, they're not they're not yeah. ru- he's not rushing to get to that. He's taking his time, and he will get there eventually. And you'll go with him. And as long as you're willing to sit with him and go with that, then you're going to have a great time. Um, the, do you think this? Do you think this movie's going to be his last one? He said he would do ten. Okay. So he's, okay, cool. he's, 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 he wants to do 10 films and that's him. So I, I don't think it will be 10 films and done, but who knows. I know he's, yeah. he's, he promised at least one more, so we'll hope for one more. Um, okay. On the film itself, the actors, like Brad Pitt and DiCaprio, you can't really say much more about them other than they are they, they are fantastic. You know, like, I've always talked about this. I, I think they are they're actors who just happen to be movie stars. You know what I mean? They're, they're not trite movie stars. They're, they're they're actors and they hone their craft so perfectly, and they engage with character so much that you kind of forget they're actors sometimes. You know, and that's you, a good thing. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's a I, brilliant I thing. Like sometimes struggle with the like the higher echelons of like actors and actresses when it gets to that point, and I end up realizing that they're just like they're just actors. I don't. I end up. I can't lose touch with the actual like character they're trying to play because I'm like, well, this is just like whoever he's been, he or she's been in like a thousand movies before this, and I can't uh, disconnect from it. But yeah, prime example. I'm to on the screen, I always get sucked in the characters they're playing, and I don't know what it is about them. Yeah. it's it's really bizarre. Yeah, prime example is like say Tom Cruise. Like I love Tom Cruise. You're a big fan of Tom Cruise as well. Yeah. But I have if Tom Cruise is playing in a one film, he's playing say. You know, an American banker who's now doing something, and the next week a pilot who's doing something. All I really see is Tom Cruise. Yeah, I have a real difficulty disengaging from it's fucking Tom Cruise, man. It's I know he's going to be the hero of this thing. Whereas with the Caprio, the Caprio embodies characters. You know, you look at what he does in like Django, and then you look at what he does in like Wolf of Wall Street. That's not the Caprio. That's that feels like a completely different person. You know, and it's just yeah, absolutely. either he uses his body, or he uses his face, and Brad Pitt's exactly the same. The Brad Pitt of this film is completely different from the Brad Pitt of Inglourious Bastards. You mm. know, and, and, and yeah, absolutely. He, he is an actor at heart. You know, they both get great. They obviously both have movie star looks. They both obviously are extremely wealthy and extremely famous. 
but I think at the heart they are actors of the they are actors at heart. They're not movie stars, which is a great thing. Because I think as soon as you oh, become absolutely. I think as soon as you become a movie star, there's that disconnect happening to an audience where they all they see you as 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 the movie star. Yeah, and I I think that's why sometimes like a lot of like actors and actresses they struggle to move on from yeah. a certain uh, fran- uh, movie franchise, especially if it's been quite a successful one yeah. and it's had a long run. You end up, that's all you ever see. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. That's exactly so. That's all you can engage with them with is, is them as like, that kind of like, you know, people like Arnie Stallone, guys like that, mm. you're only going to see them as Arnie Schwarzenegger and Sally Stallone now. It's hard for them to really take on a character and actually and actually morph into something and develop it and build it and and make it something so you remember it. Because so, like you remember DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street, not because he's DiCaprio, because it's a great performance. You know, yeah. you remember him in The Revenant because it's a great performance. You remember him. You remember Brad Pitt in like Fight Club, or you remember him in you know Seven, not because he's Brad Pitt, because it's a fucking great performance that he gives and it's so believable and it's so it's, it's so amazing. Um, Margot Robbie, she's not in it a lot. She's She's very much in the periphery, but she's a, a, a constant presence on screen. But she's not in it very much. She doesn't have a lot of dialogue in it, but she she has her moments in the film. Um, was that something that was planned? I because think she's yeah. Like, she's like red hot, you know. So she is, she is. And if you watch the marketing campaign, you watch the, the interview, and you think it was like a, a triple a triple threat, you know, be like equal screen time between the three of them. Very much not. It's very much Pitt and uh, DiCaprio's movie with uh, with her being very much a sort of. Not a silent partner, but she is quite quiet in the film. She doesn't have do much, but she has like said a constant presence throughout the film. Um, Manson's, you know, it's based around the chapter of Manson murders. He's only got one scene in the whole film, right? Okay. Which I thought was a smart uh, thing. I thought, yeah, I, I just like I haven't seen it yet, obviously, but like I thought that feels like a missed opportunity. No, I disagree entirely. I think it actually works really well. I think keep him in the film as a presence, but not have it about him. Uh, yeah, support, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, um, you, when you look at it like that, yeah. yeah. And also, the film is called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This mm-hmm. is very, very much a fairy tale. So when you're watching it, bear in mind the fairy tale aspect of it. Yeah, I had heard certain things like, um, like uh, one of the recent things was uh, was Bruce Lee's actual daughter in real life was getting a bit pissy about the way Tarantino had portrayed him in the movie. Yeah, and then. Uh, I think like he just came out and defended it and said like it's a movie, it's not real life. Yeah, um, um, but also yeah. other people who work with Bruce Lee have said Bruce Lee was kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. I, like even his even his wife had wrote in his in the autobiography she wrote that he was quite arrogant mm. to other adults. Aye, so you might not like the way he played, but it's, it's, it can be the kind of maybe it's a more hyper realized version of, of it, but maybe it's more accurate than you may want to believe, but. There are other elements in the film that are very sort of fairy tale esque, mm. particularly the conclusion, the last forty minutes. So just keep that in mind when you're watching it as a fairy tale. It's Tarantino's take on history. It's not supposed to be fact. Yeah. Okay. Because um, if it was fact, it'd be a documentary. So it's exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it is also two hours and forty minutes long. I thought it was a, it was one of the quickest two hours and forty minutes I've ever watched. It's much like. I think another example of a long film like that where I just watched it whiz by, but this really does whiz by you. Even though it's slow at times, it's so engaging throughout that you cannot take your eyes off screen and you're watching it every second and it just, by the time you realise it's like, oh my God, this film's got to end now. Um, 
to make That's you good. oh yeah dude like I was so invested I mean I'm a Tarantino fan like unapologetically a Tarantino huge fan but this film had me and I was I was so drawn into it and I was so enjoying it every moment of it I was just like you want to breathe it all in because you, you know you're not going to get a film like this again for a while you know and it's, it's oh. something special you know it's an original idea it's not a franchise it's not based on some existing IP it's just one guy's got an idea for a film he makes it and he gives you it and there's something special about that, that you don't see very often in Hollywood right now unfortunately um, yeah, definitely. Uh, Especially when we're, when we're sitting here drowning and nothing but sequels and uh, reboots and everything else. Exactly, exactly. Um, so for myself, out of ten, nine and a half out of ten. Wow, nice. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Definitely worth a watch. And if anyone gets to see it, definitely go and see it. It'll be for a little while, or I'm, I'm going to definitely go try back and see it uh, for a second time. Um, but that is us for this week, so we'll get some new stuff out next week. We have got... Nice. Good Boys, the new Seth Rogen movie. It's oh, I, I, I like the trailer for this. I thought, I thought the trailer uh, looked quite funny, so uh, I'm hoping it's not just all the best bits. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like a younger version of Superbad cross with, um, I think it was cross maybe cross with, um, uh, oh, right, I think, a wee bit kind of like sex drive and stuff like that. So it's, it's like Superbad as well, a little bit, you know, so it's just very much a kind of kids comedy but it's just done in a really kind of more adult way um, but it looks, it looks funny I'm, I'm, I'm coming up for it as well you've also got out yeah. next week you've got Dora and the Lost City of Gold okay which is Dora the Explorer on the big screen yes. um, she's got a pet monkey she's got my vote I'm going to go see Dora um, you've got Ugly Dolls which is a new animation from DreamWorks I think it is about dolls that are ugly so take it from that from what you will um, and you've got out on Wednesday, so we might talk about it next week, it might be the week after, uh, Angel Has Fallen, the third installment in the Paisley's, Paisley's finest Gerard Butler's attempt to take on the entire American government with, um, what was it, London Has Fallen, Olympus Has yes. Fallen, and now it's um, Angel Has Fallen. Angel. Well, where? Uh, we seen the trailer for that when we were waiting for Hobbs and Shaw to come on, okay. and uh, oh god. god! I mean, like, 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 fair enough, they are escalating it. Mm-hmm. But you're just like, surely this has to stop after this one. I mean, they're talking about now, like, blowing up the president. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, out of interest, just before we go, um, you saw Hobbs and Shaw. Did you enjoy Hobbs and Shaw? I liked it for the most part. I kind of didn't go in with very high expectations. True. I liked it. The story was all over the fucking joint. I, yes. I was just about like, what, what is even the story here? <laughs> um, There's a lot of story. But for, the, but for the most part, I was like, yeah, it, it's okay. It was cool to see so much of uh, George Square in Glasgow on the big screen. <laughs> Doubling as London. Double, it actually, <laughs> in fact, the fight that the big the chair chase ends outside the Piper Bar, is, <laughs> and that thought was really funny. Like, it still had the Scotland flags up. It's like, maybe you might change them round or something. No, we'll put a, yeah. we'll put a red London bus in the background and that's how you know you're in London now. <laughs> and the fact is that anyone that comes from this neck of the woods will know that they, they essentially just drove round a big giant square. Yeah. Went I, through the same streets about five times. I was laughing at They go through the same archway at Merton City about 20 times. I'm like, I've seen that before. <laughs> And they go, I like the slow motion shot past Greg's. That was enjoyable. Because, um, you, know, you know, we all love the Greg's now and again. So it's nice to see Greg's on the big screen. But yeah, I, I, I'm listening to you. I thought, if you're a fan of the franchise and stuff like that, you'll, you'll get something from it. But um, 
beyond that, it's not much to write home about, I thought. Nah, and then even at even at the end when they were when they were uh, tag teaming the bad guy, yeah. they were like one of them was like yeah, distracting them and the yeah. other one was hitting them. It said I genuinely thought Kevin Hart was going to turn up and save the day. There. <laughs> I was, I was waiting for him because like, obviously like, they put him in it and they just didn't use him yeah, and I'm yeah. like they have to use him at some but point no they didn't no they bring him back um, yeah so we'll get those films out next week um, but for yes. this week Barry, uh, Barry tell where people to find us if you're looking for us all the usual social medias Facebook uh, uh, Facebook Twitter and Instagram at uh, 3beers in a movie that's great so I've been Richard you've been Barry and we've been 